morning, everybody. <coughs> we, as of last Sunday, we started this series on Galatians. And um, last Sunday, we only did the beginning, the first well, five or six verses that we focused on. And um, I shared an um, illustration about the way that we played the equivalent of rugby in our camps in Albania, in the sea, in the water. And uh, somebody came after the service and he said, in my country that is called water polo. I will guarantee you that from the sign and the scratches and the bruises that we had, that is not water polo. So with that one, we had to remember and to remind ourselves and the kids in our camps about the rules of this game in the water. And somehow, I wanted to bring that illustration again today as we think of Galatians and what Paul is trying to actually remind the people who have encountered the resurrected Christ, who have encountered the work of the Holy Spirit, that actually these are the rules, the new rules of the game in Christ. Don't go back and make up your own rules. So last, just to remind us of... um, last Sundays, we, we, we gave a definition of what was the gospel, and we said that actually it is not a suggestion, it's good news, and it needs to be proclaimed, it needs to be shared, it needs to be generated, it needs to be lived out. Um, and also, the good news had to do with the whole idea that actually God is taking that action of rescuing us, and in order for us to accept that we need rescue, We need to accept that we are in trouble. And only God can rescue us. Hence we sang the song, Only You Can Rescue. I think we're going to sing it in the end as well. And also we said that the gospel is the axle of the whole ministry of the church. And with that in mind, today we're looking at um, Galatians 1.11 to 2.10. And if we've got time, we're going to do also the last um, verses of chapter 2. So here we've got Paul. We said last week that in the letter of Galatians, it is true that he did not have time to write and thank the church in Galatia about their spirituality. About He just went straight to the points. And I think he's kind of doing this here. I've got a question today. How many of you have been in an earthquake before? Whoa, great. It's only probably half a dozen. That's very interesting because it it will work with the illustration. Now... We've all seen pictures of devastation of earthquake. And we kind of know what it may look like. But for those of you who have not been in an earthquake, you don't know what it feels like. I had to... We had a visitor once from Germany in our house in Albania... And uh, at 7 o'clock in the morning, 
uh, we had this big shake of the whole house. And the guy had never been in an earthquake. He didn't know what that was. He just thought perhaps there was a car who just hit the, the house and everything was trembling. And I yelled from the other room. I said, it's earthquake. Let's go out. I want to bring that here because I think this is what Paul is trying to explain here. That what has happened in his life, what has happened in his encounter with God, is quite earthquakey, if that's a word. But it's, it's quite big. And for some people... They know about it. For some people, they've seen it. And for some people, they have experienced it. But it's quite major. And he is going, he is going to explain that this earthquake really has to do, nothing to do with human stuff. It has to do with a direct encounter of God. So there he goes. He says, oh, sorry. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the tradition of my fathers. But when God set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, the earthquake moment, and was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. So here we've got Paul, and he's saying, actually, I'm going to do a refresher's course for you guys, not only for the gospel, but I just want to remind you of my encounter, of that Acts chapter 9. Because actually he's saying that if we're talking about human authority, if we're talking about human experience, well, you can read Philippians chapter 3 verse 5, what he says, Hebrews of Hebrews, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I was to the law. I was a Pharisee. When it comes to the zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. When it comes to the righteousness on the law, I was faultless. Until I had the earthquake moment of encountering the grace of God. So what is the source of Paul's message of the gospel and his apostleship? Well, he has been there when it comes to human authority. He has been through all the ranks. And again, in Philippians, he calls that all rubbish. To what he has encountered in Jesus. 
has nothing to do with the previous Judaic piety. He's done it all. He's experienced it all. A Hebrew of Hebrews, when it comes to the fault, to the righteousness, to the law, I'm faultless. Not from human consultation. And we know that Paul did not go to meet the other apostles for three years because he had his direct encounter with the resurrected Christ. And his message was just to take this good news of Jesus to the Gentiles. We'll read later on in the letter that Peter and the other apostles had a different focus, whereas Paul's calling was immediate to go and reach out to the Gentiles. And do you see here God's sense of humor? A Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews, somebody from the tribe of Benjamin has been entrusted with this good news of the gospel to go and preach it to those people that until he encountered the grace of God, he thought that God didn't bother about them. This is the irony of the gospel. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is what it says, the power of gospel unto salvation. The power of God unto salvation for whoever believes. This is the gospel that Paul has encountered himself and therefore, he cannot keep it. So it's not a suggestion anymore. It's not kind of something that he would recommend. No, the gospel is the only hope. This is the only hope for the reconciliation of God with humankind. And his source of the gospel was that revelation... That revelation when he was trying to, to please God on his way. When he was trying to, 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 to make God love him a little bit more. If it would kill some more Christians. Because that's how he saw fit in his eyes to please God. Just being a terrorist. And Jesus reveals himself to him. And he says, soul, soul. Why are you persecuting me? And that was the turning point. So the source of his gospel, the source of his apostleship, the source of his ministry had nothing to do with human stuff. He had a direct connection, a direct revelation, a direct encounter with the resurrected Christ. So I dare to ask the question, in this day and age, are we able to say or to claim as the church of Jesus Christ that we have remained faithful to the source of that revelation? When we bought our house in Albania, we had a, a well in the front garden. 
And together with my dad, when he was still alive, we decided that that well was not sufficient if we had water shortages. And at those times when we bought the house, the neighborhood was quite newly developed and there were a lot of water shortages. So we knew that there were people around the neighborhood that they would come and uh, bore a well for you. It was all manual, so they would come and they would just dig a hole that would go 13 to 15 meters deep. So I got in touch with these guys. They came, and the initial warning is, I know that your other well has got good water, but if we're going to go more than 10 meters we might end up being in trouble because the house where you, well the land where you've built your house upon used to be marsh in the past and you might hit salt or you might hit a, a salt stream from the sea i said oh okay if we do we do it's fine so they came they bore the well the first day was fine. We had nice, fresh waters. They got the money and they left. The second day, it wasn't that well. And after two weeks, the whole well clogged up because of all the salt and all the sand that was coming. The well was not sourced in the right place. I did not listen to the suggestion of the well diggers, knowing that they had the experience that saying, it's risky, do you want to do it? Yes, let's do it, because I wanted the well. So by Paul delivering this message... He is showing his true colors. And he's showing that his right source of his gospel message and ministry is nothing less but that revelation of Jesus Christ. How do we make sure that we are sourcing the gospel that Jesus has entrusted each and every one of us that we have encountered him? How do we make sure that we source everything that we do here as a church, Monday through Saturday, on a Sunday, when we go to our workplaces, when we look after our grandchildren, when we travel, when we do anything that we do during the week? How do we make sure that our lives are sourced in that encounter of Jesus Christ. Paul was quite passionate about it. He was quite zealous about it. And he did not want for the Galatians to lose track of that amazing experience that he had and they haven't had as a result of what Paul has had. Because it's, it's heritage is passed on from generation to generation. Check the source. The other thing that happened 
was that one of the reasons why Paul was writing this is that he wants to show that in this message that God has entrusted him with, and this apostleship, this calling, there has been faithfulness. Otherwise, Paul would have not been writing to them when he wanted to write to them. He's been going through all sorts of stuff. But the other thing that I really discovered this week was that if you look in detail of the places that Paul has been as a result of this encounter, they're all related to him. Damascus? Well, we know from the book of Acts that he went to Damascus, he had this letter from the high priest to go and kill the Christians in Damascus. What is the first place that he visits? Damascus. Jerusalem. Now, can you imagine him walking as an ex-Pharisee and greeting all the dudes in the temple and talking about grace? What a disgrace he would be to them. But he doesn't care anymore about that human approval. Grace is much bigger than that. Syria and Cilicia. Well, he was Saul of Tarsus, wasn't he? And a prophet is hated in his own country. And then churches in Judea in Christ. It's very fascinating how Paul always refers to the churches in Judea. They're always in Christ. You read it elsewhere as well. So, do you see any, any bigger picture here? Do you see how Acts 1.8 as well is fulfilled here? So that's why he's saying that there is no brainer that God has given me this message that he also gave to the apostles in Acts 1.8 when he says, you're going to be my witnesses starting in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and all the ends of the earth. So Paul is experiencing the same kind of apostleship as the apostles, and he's proving to these Galatian guys that Actually, he is faithful. Not because what he has done, but he is faithful because this grace that he has encountered in this big message is amazing. I have a question for you this morning. If this moments of revelation, this moments of encounter were very special for the life, for Paul's life, I want to throw that to you this morning and saying, have you had an encounter with God? Have you had something that you can remember and you hold very dear because you said, you have met with Jesus? Perhaps it's an answer to prayer. Perhaps it's something that
has done for you and you've, you've asked elsewhere and God has really helped. Perhaps it's a scripture. Perhaps it's, it's a, a very vivid moment of, of a picture, of a vision, of a dream. And I want to ask you, what are you doing with that? Is that become part of your Christian portfolio? Or is that encounter the one that keeps bringing you back to God because you want to be faithful to such a faithful God? Faithfulness of His message and apostleship despite of what goes on in Paul's life, despite of what we read in the book of Acts, there is this passion, there is this power that Paul actually cannot do it on his own. Paul continues to show his true colors, not only in his relationship with God, but also in his relationship with with others. If we look at Galatians 2, verse 1, 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even, through, even though he was Greek. So here we've got Paul. Here we've got three groups of people, actually. We've got Paul, Barnabas, and Titus who basically they're saying grace only aids the encounter of the gospel of Jesus. Then we've got some of the apostles who have encountered the grace, and they say, but if you do some of the Jewish traditional things, we are okay with it. And then the third group is the group that says, well, how dare you approach God by grace only? You need to do something that what the law requires. So let's go back to those rituals, to those practices. And one of them is Peter. Yes, the apostle. And that's why Paul has to confront him and he's saying, come on, what are you doing here? How dare you encounter grace in such a way that you're saying grace plus something? And he has to be very strong. He has to be very confrontational because actually this is his call. He is going to remain faithful until his last breath to this gospel that is entrusted to him. 
This is my last thought. I think this is the state of the church. More in the West. This is where it's going also in Albania. When you are confronted with the tension of what is God's objective to reconcile his creation with himself only through the blood of Jesus. In Christ alone. And on the other side, people's agendas. All reasoning of what this may look like. And I think this is a constant battle. And I think this is a a wake-up call for the church. This is a wake-up call for me as a minister. This is a wake-up call for us as Cairns to say, to go back and say, God... Revive us, refresh us with your objective for this city, for this neighborhood, for my next door neighbor, for my members of the family that don't know you yet. And give me enough courage that pleasing people doesn't undermine the ministry of the gospel. Give me courage that pleasing people or wanting to have the affirmation of people because they want to hear this does not diminish the power of God unto salvation for whoever believes in Him. Galatians 2.20 Paul is able to say this only because he has come to this healthy revelation. That's why he doesn't bother about pleasing people. He's not hurting them. He's not causing offense. But what he's doing, he's staying true to the gospel. And he's saying, I have been crucified with Christ, all my past. And I no longer live, but Christ in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God.